0: Welcome to the LifeSpring Church podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at LifespringChurch.us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter." Verse seventeen. For this is the case: our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, little g, nor will we serve the golden image which you have set up. These young men looked in the face of their culture, the face of their society. They even looked at the image that their society tried to push on them and said, I will not bow to your image. Let's flip over in your Bible to the New Testament, to Ephesians chapter 20, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. If you find Ephesians 20, you did a miracle this morning. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Look at your neighbor and say, exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's pretty incredible. Just the context of those three words put together blows my mind. He's not just going to do above. He's going to do abundantly above. And not just abundantly above, but exceedingly abundantly above. God's not limited by this world. God's not limited by our resources. God's not limited by what we do or don't have. God's not limited by the talent you possess or you don't possess. God is willing and able to do exceedingly abundantly above. And if he's willing to do it, I'm willing to let him because I'm not going to bow to this world. Amen? You can be seated this morning. God is able. God is able. If we had that kind of faith, and I believe we do, we just need to stir it up inside of us. It's like that all natural organic peanut butter. (laughs) You let that sit in the cabinet for too long and all the solids settle and you end up with all the oil on top and it has to be stirred up. Nobody wants a peanut oil and jelly sandwich. And good luck getting the peanut butter part out if there's no oil mixed in it. It has to be mixed up. That's what happens with us sometimes. We get busy in life. We get busy with what's going on in society and our culture. And the Holy Ghost begins to settle in us. Our faith settles And it separates, and we need somebody to come in and get their stir stick out and begin to stir inside of our soul. Lord, stir up my faith today. Lord, stir up your spirit inside of me today. Lord, let there be a fresh anointing in my heart today. Let there be a fresh anointing in my life today. Stir up my faith, God, that I can believe you are able. God is able. And if you can believe he's able, then you can believe he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. You can even ask or think. <clears throat> I can remember hearing this verse as a child, as a kid. I'd like, all right, God, I'm gonna think about the biggest thing I can think about. And can you do something bigger than that? He does. Now here's the catch 22. A lot of times we begin to think about the big thing that we want God to do. And when we're thinking about the big thing, we're also thinking about the process in which it has to be done. And I've learned that God can do exceedingly abundantly above, but His process doesn't always match my process. So I can't lose faith because God doesn't do His great work the way I want Him to do His great work. I must just believe that He can do the great work and release Him and have confidence in Him, have faith in God. He can do it however He wants. But He's able to do it. And He's able to do it exceedingly, abundantly above. (coughs) Here's what God does exceedingly, abundantly above. When the doctor comes to you and says that you have a terminal disease, God heals. Exceedingly abundantly above the expectations of the doctor. Exceedingly abundantly above the expectations of the report. God heals. Abundantly above. God gives peace in the midst of chaos. Exceedingly, abundantly above what we would ask or think. Sometimes we may pray, Lord, just let it settle down enough that I can handle it. Just let it calm down enough that I can be okay with it. But God says, if you'll put your trust in me, if you'll put your confidence in me, I will exceed you. I will give you peace that passes understanding. He can do exceedingly, abundantly above. God saves sinners. God saves sinners that's exceedingly, abundantly and above what many people think some people look at the sinner and say well that one, there's no way God can touch that one oh that's too bad, their sin's too bad they're vile and they're, they're a reproach to the name of God there's no way God can say, let me tell you something God can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or think it doesn't matter how dark their past is, it doesn't matter how low their valley is, it doesn't matter how deep they are steeped into sin, if the power of Jesus Christ can get a hold of them God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and God blesses beyond our expectation God blesses beyond our expectation have you ever prayed a prayer and God answered it bigger than you prayed that's normal that's what God does if God would have answered it the way you wanted it answered you would have thought you had something to do with it But God answers it in ways that we cannot take credit. God answers our prayers in ways that we have to step back and say, Oh my, that was just God that did that. Only God could work out that situation. Only God could provide that blessing. And how does God do all of this? According to the power that works in us. (coughs) God uses the power of the Holy Ghost within us to accomplish His will in this earth. The exceeding abundant above happens because we're surrendered to God. And how do we know we're surrendered to God? Because we're filled with His Spirit. Sometimes I wonder if we we are expecting God to do miraculous things but we lack the fuel for the miracle to happen. I'm in the Bible. Paul said that the miracle was proportionate to the power working inside of us. He said, according to the power that works in us, if you have settled Holy Ghost and it's not stirred up, hello, if your faith has settled and it's not stirred up, If you believe God can do it for them, but God can't do it for me, your faith has settled. If you believe the power of the Holy Ghost is what so-and-so in church needs, and you forget the fact that I need the power of the Holy Spirit working in my life, then maybe your Holy Ghost has settled. I would tell you today, stir it up inside of you. Because the greater amount of Spirit you have flowing through you, the Spirit of the Lord working in you, the greater His miracles can happen. We don't have miracles today to the same proportion as they had miracles in the early church because we don't believe it the same way they believed it in the early church. Well, that was blunt. It's the truth. What would happen if you showed up at church And somebody was sitting in the parking lot in a wheelchair. What would you do? Most of us would say, hey man, you're at the right spot. You're in the perfect parking lot. How about you come inside church today and worship God with us. And just let the presence of God sweep over you. And you'll feel the miraculous power of God. And God can do a miracle for you today. And we all think that's the right answer. That's perfect. And that's the level of our faith. We believe if they'll come in the house of God, God will touch them. But that's not apostolic faith. That's not what the apostles did. They were on their way to church, and when they got to the gate at church, there was a man who had been lame since his birth. And Peter didn't say, you know man, if you'll just let me carry you inside and set you on the third row... I'll get you right where you can watch the pastor, the priest, speak today. You'll hear every word he says, and if you'll just worship God, God will do something for you. (coughs) Paul, or Peter, looked at him and said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He didn't bring a man into the temple to be healed. He brought a healed man into the temple to praise God for the healing. That's apostolic faith. That's apostle-like faith. That's faith abundant and beyond. That's the kind of faith where the miraculous happens. So God does the miracle according to the proportion of the power that's working inside of us. We ought to be filled and overflowing with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because when we are, there is no limit to what God can do. And when God begins to do the miraculous, He always exceeds our expectation. His miracle always is exceedingly, abundantly above. So do you need a miracle? Anybody need a miracle in the house today? Have you received and been filled, overflowing with the Holy Ghost? If so, then there is no limit on what God can do in your life today. John 14 and 14 tells us, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I'm preaching to you today. I'm not going to bow to this culture. I'm not going to bow to this world as of, that has little faith. I'm not going to bow to this world that says, I won't believe it until I see it first. I'm not going to bow to the culture of criticism I'm not going to bow to the culture of a critical spirit. I'm not going to bow down to a society that says, Oh, you have to show me for me to believe it. I know we live in the show me state. But I believe it anyway. God doesn't have to prove himself to me for me to believe him. I believe it. And because I believe it, he's going to do the miraculous. (coughs) The miraculous Always exceeds the expectation. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you are familiar with this program on the radio, well, I guess it's expanding way beyond radio now, but back when I was, a, a I guess, a young teenager, my late, Childhood years, there was adventures in Odyssey. Look it up. That's good, wholesome stuff for your kids to listen to. They had a show on there about, one of their episodes was about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, except the kid couldn't say Abednego, so he said a billy goat. Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. The king did not throw two men and a goat into the fire that day. No, it was three Hebrew boys who are believed to be somewhere in their middle to upper teen years of their life. Who God had given favor and they were rulers, they were princes in the land of Babylon, even though they were captive to the Babylonians. They had another friend, you'll remember him, Daniel. These four young men had found favor in the eyes of The king and they had been elevated to places of authority and position and and ruling and Shadrach Meshach and Abednego caught the eye of the distractors and they said you know we got to do something about Shadrach Meshach and Abednego how come these men in captivity are in places of position they're trying to work their way in on our job and so they went to the king and they played to the king's pride They played to the king's ego. Hey, king, if you'll build a golden image that represents you, you'll find out who all the faithful servants of Babylon are. We can play the instruments. We can have a big ceremony. We'll have everybody come out. And when the instruments begin to play, we'll have everybody bow down, king, to this golden image. And we'll know that you are the one most powerful king. They played it up. And the king's ego was fed. His pride swelled. He said, it's a great idea. I mean, who wouldn't want an image of themselves put in the middle of town? And so they did. They built the image. They got the musicians together. They got the ceremony together. They got everybody gathered around the image, and they said, hit it, maestro, and they began to play the music, and one by one, the multitude of people began to bow their face to the ground before the golden image, and in just a couple minutes, three Hebrew boys were obviously sticking out in the crowd. Maybe somebody next to them from a bent position noticed they weren't bowing, whispered up from the ground, Hey, that's the music we're supposed to bow to. Get down here. And they just ignored the voice. Maybe somebody pulled on their coattail Hey, 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 you might have misunderstood. Right now is when we're supposed to bow. You need to get down here right now. You need to bow. You're, you remember the decree of the king? He said, Everybody that didn't bow would be thrown into the fiery furnace. You need to bow right now. And they didn't listen. I don't know how they knew. Maybe they were praying to the idol with one eye cracked open. But the rulers who conspired against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they obviously saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hadn't bowed. Makes me wonder if they were bowing. And they ran to the king. Oh, king, you know these guys that you respected and you put in authority, man, they just disrespected you in a way that you would never believe. They completely ignored your decree. They refused to bow down to your image. The Bible says the king was furious, and he called in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what did he do? He said, Crank the heat up. Make that furnace hotter than it's ever been before, seven times hotter than it's ever been before. Bind them and cast them into the furnace. The fire was so hot that the soldiers that cast Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the furnace were consumed by the flames, the heat. When it looks like the story can't get any worse, hold on, it gets better. The king, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. (coughs) The king goes and he looks over into the furnace, or he looks into the fiery furnace. And here's what happens, Daniel 3 and 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he arose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the flame, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the sun of God. You see, when God does a miracle, He exceeds our expectation. When we refuse to bow, God will exceed our expectation with the miraculous. When it looked like their life was over, God delivered them exceedingly, abundantly above what was expected. The king looked over the edge or into the furnace expecting to see nothing. Expecting that the heat, seven times hotter than it's ever been before. To have absolutely consumed these three Hebrew children. Just as it had consumed the soldiers. But to his astonishment, he looked inside the fire. And he said, I don't understand. I can't comprehend. This doesn't make sense to me. But there's four men walking in the flames. Hear me today. When you're in your fiery trial, there'll be one walking with you always. The world around you might not see it on the day to day but when you get in the fire of life they'll begin to see who's walking beside you when you begin to demonstrate and you let your light shine the fire will reveal that God is walking with you the fire will reveal him who never leaves you and never forsakes you the fire will reveal the one that sticks closer than a brother and then it becomes not about your destruction but now it's about your testimony Now it's about how is this happening? How is this working? You see, God traveled with them. God was with them when they said, We'll not bow. God was with them when they refused to bow. God was with them when they were brought before the king and they said, King, you don't understand. We don't have to answer your question. But whatever you got to do, you got to do. But we're not going to bow. God will deliver us. And if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And it was through the fire that God revealed himself to the king. God didn't just deliver the Hebrew children from the flames. He revealed his majestic power and his sovereignty to the king. That's exceedingly, abundantly above. This is what happens when we say, I'm not going to bow. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 27 And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. This is after they've brought the Hebrew children out of the fire. And they're all standing around them, staring at them with fishbowl eyes. How in the world are you standing in front of us? And they saw these men. Catch this. On their bodies the fire had no power, the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. When you refuse to bow, God will do the miraculous exceedingly abundantly above He'll confound the wise. He'll confound the rulers. He'll confound the administrators and the governors. He'll confound all those who are supposed to know and supposed to understand and have the education and have the degrees and have all of these things lined up in their life in their favor that says they should know. But when God works, they don't know. They can't explain it. You won't be able to explain it. There was no way for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to explain how they were in a fiery furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been before. But when they stood there, they didn't even smell like smoke. You can't even roast hot dogs without smelling like smoke. Not even the hair on their head was singed. You can't light firecrackers on the 4th of July without singeing the hair on the back of your knuckles. You hear me today. When God works, His miracles exceed the expectation. He confounds the wise. Daniel chapter 3, again, verses 29 and 30. Therefore I make a decree, says the king, that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... He said, the fire didn't work last time, so we're going to cut them in pieces. And their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no, no other God who can deliver like this. You think the fire is hot because you're being judged I want to tell you today, the fire's hot because God's setting you up for exceedingly, abundantly above. God wants to do the miraculous in your heart. God wants to do the miraculous in your life. God wants to bring forth something that will be a testimony to your neighbor. It will be a testimony to your coworker. It will be a testimony to your family. Hey, I stayed faithful to God. I stayed full of His Spirit. I refused to bow to the pressures around me. And when I stood firm, God showed up and did exceedingly, abundantly above. The king, who in pride thought he should be elevated, in the end said, No, 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 the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let him be elevated. And then verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I wonder what those other rulers thought about that. If they'd have been happy with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego having their low-level jobs in the government, they may have been just fine. But they begin to stir up the hornet's nest. They begin to mess around with God's people. They begin to bring persecution against the people of God. They begin to push against the people of God. They begin to cause trouble for the people of God. And God says, all right, you want to cause my people trouble? I'll reveal myself to the authorities. I'll work in ways that are unexpected. And when it's over with, I'll promote my people. So when the fire gets hot, get ready for heaven's promotion. When the fire begins to burn hotter than it's ever burned before, get ready for heaven's promotion. Well, we've got a couple people that believe in it. I know when you're in the middle of the furnace and all you can see is the flames and all you can hear is the others around you wailing and crying. Hear me today. God will work on your behalf. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. Do not bow to the pressures around you. If God can do it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then God can do it for you. If God can do it in the years of Babylonian captivity, then God can do it in the year 2022. God can do it in July of 2022. God can do it on the 10th of July of 2022. And if you're confused, that's today, Sunday, July 10th. 2022, you can have your miracle today if you'll stir up your faith, if you'll just believe in Him and you'll make a commitment in your heart. I'm going to be filled with His Spirit and I refuse to bow to the pressures of this world that are around us. I would challenge you in your spirit to get this I'm not going to bow attitude. To the voices that say you should compromise on your consecration. Someone needs to get in their spirit and say, no, I'm not going to bow. I consecrated it to God at once. I took it to an altar and gave it to God. I'm not picking it back up. I surrendered it to God. I surrendered my lifestyle to God. I surrendered my words to God. I surrendered the places that I go to God. I surrendered myself in holiness to God. I gave it to Him. I'm not going to compromise on it. I'm not going to back up on it. I'm going to hold firm. I will not bow. To the spirit of this age that declares biblical values are antiquated. Someone needs to look at that spirit that's been pestering you and say, I'm not going to bow. God's word is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change Matter of fact, it instructs us, if we add to this word, the judgments of this book will be added to our life. And if we take away from this word, our name will be removed from the Lamb's book of life. It is what it is. It's good the way it is. It doesn't need to be changed. Its values still work. Its principles for living still work. If we live according to the plan of God for our life, we'll avoid disease. If you live according to the plan of God in your life, you'll avoid bankruptcy. If you will live according to the plan of God in your life, you'll avoid stress and burnout and hurt and sorrow and pain and disappointment and loneliness and suffering. If you will live according to the plan of God, all these things of this earth, you can be saved from them. Yes, God saves the sinner for eternity, but He can save your life that you're living right now. Amen. To the people who say that my morality isn't welcomed in a postmodern society, I look at them and I say, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to change my morality. I'm not going to change how I live. What God has called sin. Is sin. What God has called out in the Bible as an abomination is an abomination. If God says it's not right, then it's not right. We're getting weaker. I must have wearing you out. The word of God doesn't change. The morality of my life is not built upon society's form or the image in which society wants me to look like or to sound like or to act like. But I will walk, talk and be what Christ called me to be. He called me to be a follower of Jesus, of himself. He called me to be a disciple and a disciple maker. He called me to live according to the plan. That he gave the apostles. And the apostles exemplified to us in their life. He called me to set first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And then he promised all these other things would be added unto us. He called me to be a faithful steward. He called me to be loving. He called me to be gracious. He called me to be merciful, but he didn't call me to be a doormat. He didn't call me to be passive. He didn't call me to be content in this life. He didn't call me to give in just a little here or just a little there in order to make peace with this world. Newsflash. When you begin to live for God, you begin to live a lifestyle that's counterculture. You begin to live a lifestyle that's not pleasing to this life, or to this world. But He didn't call me to live for success in this life. He called me and gave me the promise that I could spend eternity with Him. Amen? Amen. To the religious culture that says church is like a concert or church is like a lecture hall. Church is something to entertain or something to impart knowledge. You hear me today. I'm not going to bow. Church is not a concert. Our praise team exists as a praise team. They're not doing concerts. They're not scheduled. They'll be here every Sunday. And you won't find them out doing a concert on Friday night. Why? Because they're here to lead us in worship. They're here to build an atmosphere of praise. David understood this. If you were to, to look into it, David created a praise team With many members, I guess multiple praise teams is how you could phrase it. So there was continual praise being offered to God. People didn't go to the tabernacle to watch the praise team. People went to the tabernacle to engage in praise. When you come to church on Sunday morning, come to praise God. I know we have a religious culture in our world today, particularly in the United States, where all the praise teams are turning into to concerts. You know what? You may get an emotional high, but you won't get as much Jesus as if you praised God. you know you can get 10,000 people together in any arena for any purpose and there'll be emotion. You can get 10,000 people in an arena to watch them play badminton. People get excited. You can get 30,000 people in a stadium to watch them play football and people lose their minds. You can get people set up in a baseball field and they'll go crazy watching them play baseball. Any sport you want to talk about, any gathering of people, there's something about unity. When people get together, they become emotional about what's happening. And the object of our emotion when we get together is about the one whom we are praising, Jesus Christ. The object of our purpose is Jesus Christ. When we come together, we come to praise Him. We come to worship Him. We come to magnify Him. When the Word of God has spoken to us, it's more than just knowledge being imparted one to another. But it is the literal Word of God being spoken to our lives. What's preached over this pulpit has the ability to change your life. I'm trying to stir up the faith today I pulled out the mixer I put in the biggest blade I could find I've cranked the lid off that peanut butter jar and I'm doing my best to shove it in there as deep as I can and stir up the peanut oil and the peanut butter I want us to get an attitude inside of us That says, I'm not going to become complacent in serving God. I'm not going to become weak in serving God. I'm not going to step back from serving God. Yes, it's difficult at times. Yes, it's hard at times. Yes, it's a struggle at times. Yes, it interferes with my calendar at times. Yes, it, it bugs me at times. Yes, I don't feel like it at times. But it doesn't matter. I'm not going to bow to the pressures of this world COVID introduced this spirit in our world that says I can sit on my couch and do anything. Yes, I'm going there. One pastor explained it this way. and I love the way he said it. He said you can go out and you can buy the nicest television and you can buy the most expensive computer program and you can display on that screen the most magnificent fire you could ever put on a screen. And you could sit around that fire and you could watch it and you can ooh and all at its beauty, but you can't feel the heat. That fire has no ability to impact you or change you. But there's something that happens when the fire of the Holy Ghost begins to burn. And you're not just watching it on a screen from the comfort of your couch. But you're right smack dab in the middle of it. And you feel the power of God resting on your shoulders. And you begin to worship Him. And you feel the peace of God begin to flood your soul. It's different than being somewhere watching it remotely. When you're in the middle of it, you're a part of it. You're engaged in it. it impacts you and it's biblical forsake not the assemblies of yourself as the manner of some is and when you see that happening know it's the end time there's two ways churches grow there's what we want to employ at life Spring Church. It's called disciple making. It's where you share your story with somebody and it impacts their life and it's an avenue which Jesus can begin the work in their heart. It's one-on-one communication about what God's done and you are the one that introduces that person to Jesus Christ. But the religious culture of our world has embraced the other method of building a church or a congregation Or a crowd. It's called the attraction model. We'll do whatever we can to attract people into the building. No. We're not here to attract people to us. We're not here to attract people to what we're doing. We're here to lead and learn and know how that we could be a a disciple maker. And we can help make disciples of others. So I say, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to bow to the religious culture that says church is a concert. No, church is where faith is made evident. This is the most advantageous place for you to let your faith just soar. Well, I don't know if I could pray for the person sitting at the gate and God would automatically heal them. There's People will be watching. People will be around. My, my, my faith isn't strong in, in that environment. Well, it's not yet, but how about you come into the house of God where we all expect things to happen and we're looking for faith to be built up and practice your faith here. How about you believe God can do it today and see what happens. Believe God can do it this afternoon while we're sitting here today. Believe that God can make a difference in your life and watch Him do it. I have to move on. To the religiously educated who say parts of the Bible don't fit our culture and no longer apply, I refuse to bow. It still takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, just as the Bible says. That hasn't changed with time, that hasn't changed with society, that hasn't changed with culture. It's still in the word of God. We must still be baptized in water by, submers- by submersion. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. It doesn't matter what the theologians at the college may say. It doesn't matter what the masses of people believe. I believe the word of God. And the word of God says we must be baptized in his name for the remission of sin. Yes, when we die out to Ourselves When we are obedient to the gospel The death, the burial and the resurrection That first step of dying out to... I'm killing cows today The religious culture says Oh, if you'll just give your heart to Christ, that's all you have to do. No, dying out says there's a change that happens in my life. I leave differently. I don't say the same words I used to say. I don't participate in the same things I used to participate in. I know I'm preaching to the choir today, but I'm just reaffirming some of the stuff we believe. I'm trying to stir up your faith today on the common points of our beliefs. If I gave my heart to Christ some time ago and I still look, act, and and participate in the things that I used to participate in that brought me under the bondage of sin, I've not committed my life to Christ. I may be emotionally responded to a message or a moment, but God calls us to give our life to Him. The truth is, the road to heaven is still straight and narrow. The requirement to be obedient to the gospel hasn't changed. And disciples still live devoted lifestyles. So, to the pressures of the religious culture of our world, I say, I'm not going to bow. I refuse. To bow. I wonder if that's in your spirit today if you'll lift your hands towards heaven. Lord, I've made up my mind. I've made up my heart. I've given up some stuff for this gospel. I've given up some stuff for the truth that you've revealed to me. And I'm not going to back down from it. I'm not going to bow to the pressures in this world. I want to tell you this morning or I guess this afternoon, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. The refilling of the Holy Ghost, living full of the Holy Ghost, is just as beautiful today as it's ever been. And it is through this infilling of His Spirit that God has the freedom to work in our lives. There are people in our world today who are influenced by God's Spirit. And then there are people who are infilled with God's Spirit. The infilling of His Spirit is taught to us in the Bible that it comes, the initial sign is when we're filled with His Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues. The Bible says the Spirit will give us the utterance. There are those who are influenced by His Spirit. Did you know you can go? to a place that's worshiping God, and you can be influenced by God's Spirit. His Spirit can be tangible. You can feel His Spirit. But just because you feel Him on the outside doesn't mean everything is right on the inside. There has to be an infilling of His Spirit. And He fills us when we become 100% surrendered and submitted to Him. In that moment, His Spirit fills us. And it becomes like a river of living water that flows out of us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 17 and 18. You, you're probably familiar with, with this verse. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Capital S. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Who's ever heard that verse before? I've always read this verse, and and the context in my mind has always been where the Spirit of the Lord is, the saints of God have liberty. That's not the context of this verse. Go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's not the context of this verse. Your freedom comes in John 8, 36. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Our freedom doesn't come... By the Spirit of the Lord, our freedom comes through Jesus Christ liberating us. The context of 2 Corinthians 3 is God has liberty to begin to work in our lives when we are filled with His Spirit. When I'm filled with my Spirit, God doesn't have liberty to work. When I'm filled with the spirits of this world, God doesn't have liberty to work. When I'm filled with a cranky attitude, God doesn't have freedom to work. When I have a critical spirit or I have criticism in my heart, God isn't free to work. But if I'm full of His Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is working inside of me and filling me and freely flowing through me, then God has the liberty to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. So if you want God to work in your life and you want God to do the miraculous in your life, then be filled, overflowing with His Spirit. Live saturated in the Spirit of the Lord. Be more than externally influenced, but be filled and then refilled over and over and over again. This is how we surrender to the will of God. People, struggle i don't know why i can't find the will of god i don't know why i can't can't get in the will of god it just feels like the will of God's so foreign and so far away from me let me ask a simple question are you filled with his spirit not were you at one time filled with his spirit not did you at one time speak in tongues but are you currently in this moment right now filled with the spirit of the lord Zechariah 4 and 6 tells us, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If you want to see God do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think, then I challenge you today to be filled with His Spirit. I challenge you today to be refilled with His Spirit. I challenge you today to believe in the miraculous, to believe in the greatest, and watch God exceed in the miracle. Just stand with me this morning. I believe God wants to do the miraculous today. I believe your need God wants to meet today. If you need peace... God wants to give you peace. If you need a healing in your body, God wants to heal you today. If you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill you. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.